Just taking some time to slow your body down. Checking in to see how you're breathing. And then inviting you to take a deep breath, filling your belly. Holding it. And then dropping your shoulders and blowing out slowly. Letting your body come back into a more relaxed state. And whenever you're ready, taking another deep breath in, breathing in through your nostrils, filling your belly. Holding it. Then exhaling slowly. Letting your body come back into more of a rest position. And one more time, when you're ready, deep breath in. Hold it. And blow out slowly. noticing how it feels to take this time out to slow down and to check in with yourself noticing what you're feeling at this moment And also reflecting back on your day and on your week. And what have been the feelings that have been most prominent for you? Joyful feelings? Sad feelings? angry feelings, anxious feelings, whatever you become aware of, I invite you to know that there is no right or wrong to feelings, they simply are. So inviting you to Accept them without judgment. Because when you accept them, you free up energy that you may have been using to hold them back. And you give yourself the possibility of being in charge of them. Once you're aware of them and accept them, you have lots of choices. 
want to just notice it and let it go on by. Do you want to sit with it and explore what might be driving expectations and beliefs? Do you want to express it in writing or to someone else? Lots of choices for how to be in charge of your feelings. So honoring that and now inviting you to come back into an alert state as Tim and I discuss feelings. Thank you, Sharon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know the the feelings that I came into touch with um, in reflecting in the past few days and the week um, is a feeling of overwhelm, of mm-hmm. just the intensity of life and uh, the, just the variety of things that have been happening in my life is going very quickly, as very demanding as challenging and this sense of overwhelm and and I appreciated um, your meditation because you know in ex- exploring the the relationship between feelings and choices it's to accept and to be aware of the feelings gives me the space then to to decide what I need to do about it what I would like to do about it mm-hmm. and um, this yearning for freedom and this yearning for space mm-hmm. has been coming up over the last maybe day mm-hmm. where I've been feeling how um, how much I need rest mm-hmm. and giving myself permission to to take breaks and to to get more sleep without feeling guilty without feeling like I'm you know letting anybody down but really taking taking that time to rest has been important mm-hmm. so um wow. yeah so that's Good. that's what came up for me just now mm-hmm. so um and and even being in that meditative state with you guiding me um i feel a lot more i feel slower and i feel uh, more grounded so um i think we're off to a good start Good. Good. <laughs> yeah how are you feeling right now I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See if I can. I'm feeling uh, sneezy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hope it settles itself down. Um, uh, I'm just feeling very grateful for our connection and um, grateful for your understanding of technology that we can reach people through podcast because there's no way I would know how to do it Uh, and I enjoy the conversation so great great Mm -hmm. well today we're going to focus on feelings um, emotions as it relates to um, Virginia Satir's work and maybe also the way that we practice and work Mm -hmm. with people 
Um, and of course, there's always the overlap between the personal and the professional and and how we use these ideas to help ourselves, which we've uh, just touched upon by, by mm-hmm. sharing personally. Um, but yeah, how in, in your um, experience as a clinician, um, what role do feelings have in the work that you do? How important are they? Um, and how do they relate to the other aspects of uh, consciousness that that also exist? How do you how do you use feelings? How do you relate to them? What can you say about that? I work with gang interventionists in South Central Los Angeles, and it all started in 2011 when I read an article in the LA Times huge article in which they talked about this priest, Father Stan Bosch, who was having a very positive impact on with teens and gangs. And he's also a PhD psychologist. Uh, And so they said to him, well, what will you attribute your positive impact to? And he said, well, I asked these teens what they're feeling and then I listen profoundly. And I went, wow. And I think that there is such utter healing in that. Mm. Because when you listen profoundly, I believe you're listening from your heart, your spirit, and your presence in a way that says, I am here for you. I'm not making any judgments. I'm seeing you. I'm working to understand you and uh, I accept you. All of that in my mind comes from that. So when you say, what's your experience with feelings? To me, listening for feelings and helping people hear my thoughts about what they're feeling and they're so they can begin to explore more is absolutely critical because it's what opens the door for their own capacity to grow and heal. It's what gives them energy. Mm. Okay, so let's let's sort of put it, put that into a sequence. So let's uh-huh. let's look let's talk about it. Maybe a definition of feelings. Okay. Because the second thing that you're talking about is how you relate to them, uh-huh. and I think the way that you, I think when we're in a positive way in a healthy relationship with feelings, there's one way. And when we're in an unhealthy, mm-hmm. maybe a destructive way with feelings is another way. And so there's a relational, a relationship that's that's yes. uh, modeled there. Yes. And you're talking about the relationship that how you relate to someone else's feelings. Yes. Um, this idea of listening profoundly. Um, but maybe we could start off with what is it about feelings that's so tricky, right? Because, you know, there's a lot of literature about emotion regulation for mm-hmm. people that experience trauma. The DBT focuses uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, which Mm -hmm. is a very popular um, mode of of therapy, focuses Mm -hmm. a lot, uh, almost primarily on emotion regulation with Mm -hmm. children. It's a major topic. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're talking about feelings, uh, what, how do you define that? I don't know. I'd like to tell you a story. (laughs) Okay. because it's, it was a news story that came through this morning. It was very distressing to me of a man who was sitting in a pizzeria in Paris 
yesterday. Did you read about this? Mm-mm. No. And got frustrated that he wasn't being waited on, pulled out a gun, and killed a waiter. Oh, my God. Yes. And I think it is such an extremely important issue in our world mm -hmm. that we have not taught people what to do when they feel a feeling and what else for example we haven't taught them that there are other feelings that are underneath that feeling you know so and other you know we other um conclusions that that person is making that is driving the feeling and how to back up from that and how to see that there are other ways that you might look at this so let's just go with this let's suppose that man says to himself i'm not worthy somehow they don't love they don't like me yeah i'm not worthy of them paying attention to me and it personalizes the whole thing and then he feels, first of all, frustrated, and then he starts to dwell on that, and he takes it to anger, and then he now has a pathway inside that says, if I'm angry, I need to act on it, and he has access to a firearm. So there's a, there's a sequence that I see happening in the world. We talked about it last week with all the mass shootings in the United States, yeah. and yeah. Here, here this happened in a pizzeria in Paris this morning, it's just really serious that we have to help people understand how to, to tolerate frustration. And I think I think one of the things um, about Virginia is she certainly focused a lot on feelings, but she didn't she didn't get stuck there. Mm -hmm. You know that wasn't her that wasn't her only emphasis. And mm -hmm. and where you're going is you're you're immediate. Like I'm asking I'm asking can you define feelings? But I think because you you think in a way that's dynamic, you immediately go to perceptions, you immediately go to the sense of of worthiness, what's what's the what's the level of connection or lack of connection to the self, right? Mm -hmm. To a to a, a sense of value of self, which is where Virginia would go with people, and and then there's that's that's the systemic nature of all these different parts of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think it is important to parcel out feelings, though. For, for this discussion, artificially as, as separate, even though it's interacting with all these different things, whether it be family rules, whether it be expectations, because feelings fire first. Feelings are fast. Yes. And so to, to understand the relationship then that feelings have with these other parts of consciousness, mm -hmm. which have to do with uh, the cognitive element, which may have to do with underlying beliefs, which are maybe unconscious, mm -hmm. um, and they're more implicit, um, to to address, I think, feelings first, which is feelings uh, are a complex of, I think, thinking, phys physical feelings. You know, they fire quickly because they're part of the, the limbic system. They're part of the emotional centers of the brain. Mm -hmm. So they they ignite and they stimulate the nervous system uh, pre-verbally. Pre so the feelings that, the patterns that we often get into that we exist in relationships with, you know, are there probably pre-verbally because we're in a family, you know, before we can speak for a few years, you know, uh -huh. two or three years. So um, the the idea that, you know, if we can if we can talk about feelings 
initially and and get organized around that i think it's important because i think some people are are resistant for example some people grow up with uh this idea that like boys don't cry or mm-hmm. or you don't talk about your feelings mm-hmm. so there i there's a lot of rules or cultural mm-hmm. or family wise that mm-hmm. block off the connection to feelings right mm-hmm. so there may be people listening to our conversation saying feelings i don't you know i don't want to go there right because right. there is that that built-in resistance yes. sure i i i want to introduce it and, and sort of broaden the topic to say you really can't get away with not facing and addressing feelings mm-hmm. if you're human and i think the the consequences to the news story that you just described and the many news stories that we've been hearing about as relates to mastery. One of the definitions or descriptions that, that Virginia put out that I really like is she said something along the lines that emotions are sort of like the life energy within us. There, it's the juice yeah. within us. Right. And it's a there's a fuel behind that. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the word emotion is the word motion. Our, without our emotional experience, um, it's hard to feel motivated to do things, whether positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. Being aware and in touch with our emotions through the whole spectrum allows us to, to feel alive and then to be properly motivated towards goals mm-hmm. and to be to properly address fears, uh, to avoid things that might hurt us, mm-hmm. um, and to have things that we're motivated towards and have things that we're moving away from that aren't helpful for us is to be fully motivated. And so mm-hmm. I, I think to have access and to be able to experience all emotions is empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can get into, you know, how it can be most empowering that we're using all of ourselves, our wisdom, mm-hmm. intelligence, our compassion, um, you know, our awareness, all of that in relationship to emotions. Um, but I, I see emotions as an important part of a network of resources within us yes. that is so primary to so so fundamental to what it is yes. to be human to 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 not have a, a healthy understanding of feelings one is to be disconnected from the life within us mm-hmm. you know it's like it's like we're we're not connected to oxygen or we're not connected to blood that flows mm-hmm. within us mm-hmm. and when that flow isn't happening then we can get stuck and we can get into really rigid patterns that can be self-destruct. Yes. So, yes. Um, so this, I mean, even the example that you talked about, the person probably felt what they felt before they had a thought about what they felt, right? But then the, the, the thought about it was probably something of blame, like I'm being disrespected, mm-hmm. right? I think what would be further away and out of, the conscious awareness of this person is I'm I'm not worthy mm-hmm. right or I'm feeling not worthy which would be even further away mm-hmm. because that would um, that would demonstrate sort of a separation of I can feel unworthy mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I am unworthy mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so um, but the, the feeling in the aggravation with the example at the grocery store or at the pizzeria and the, the quick impulse of attack yes. and of violence um, shows that even though that person is a human being, they're not in that moment fully utilizing their resource of awareness, mm-hmm. of making a choice. It's mm-hmm. that feeling is so tied in the behavioral impulse of I've got a gun yes. and I can shoot yes. that it happens so quickly. 
Yes. Um, so that there's a there's a slowing down part to emotions that I think then speaks to, well, as a child, how were your emotions related to? So, for example, if you got mad and threw your milk on the ground, did your parents just yell at you? Did they they hit you? Was there some kind of like then traumatic experience that happened in relationship to that emotion coming out? Like you're not allowed to get mad or you're not allowed to be sad or whatever, whatever the response is that then shuts that emotion down. And then that energy gets locked up. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know what is that, is that sort of way of describing feelings? Does that fit with how you think about it? And, exactly. You're yeah, so beautiful. You... You're so beautiful articulating it. And I never th- put something together that you said, which was if you think about the word motion with any motion, and then you go to it motivates. Uh, and I love that because the, I do believe that, that when you can acknowledge the feelings, then there's energy for creativity, for productivity. It's not, yeah. you're not, sometimes I think about it like, you know, when we deny or ignore or suppress feelings, we, it's like putting a beach ball underwater. You hold and you hold and you hold. It takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And eventually mm-hmm. the ball is, you know, probably going to uh, slip out from your hand. In some way, you're going to lose that ball. And it may be that you pop off at somebody in a way that you didn't mean to because it's been building. Or you get depressed because you've spent so much of your energy holding all this unexpressed stuff down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, When when you ask about defining feelings, and I was kind of stuck about the, the definition, but... You know, some people say there are four primary categories. Some say six. Four would be anger, fear, sadness, and joy. Six, where you would add shame and uh, excitement. So, you know, different experts have different categories. I just go with the primary four. Um, mm-hmm. But even when I'm, you know, when I'm working with people, even if you can articulate, I feel bad or I feel good, it can help. Even if it's just those two words in your vocabulary, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, because the communication of it opens up uh, the connection mm-hmm. between, right? Mm-hmm. To, to even ask, yeah. and then to genuinely care for the response. Yes, is is not necessarily that I'm I'm going to fix something or I'm going to change something in you. Um, and you know, I was. I had this experience with, um, well, with with many families where, when a family is really doing good work, they give each other permission to feel whatever they feel without having to fix anything, mm-hmm. right? And and that really can't happen until the individual parent is doing that with themselves, mm. that they're relating to their own emotions in a way mm-hmm. of, I'm and I'm just going to feel it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to rush to get rid of it. I'm not going to shame myself for having this feeling, mm-hmm. which now we're, we're talking about the feeling, about the feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, another way of talking about the way that you feel about um, your, your particular emotions is your attitude towards a feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think 
within that, when we're now talking about the way that we relate to emotions, um, there's a few things that empower us to utilize emotions in a way that can motivate constructive, positive action. And that's firstly to, to take responsibility for them. That which I feel I've created. And I, I really love the way that Virginia worked with emotions because she would often, she would often say these sentences that were like, they, they sounded brilliant, but were difficult to understand. She would say yes. something like, she would say something like, what did your daughter do that you picked up then to create the emotion of happiness? Yes. Right. Exactly. exactly. So, so you're like, what did you just say? It sounds right. And, and so what, what I think she's saying is we all within our uh, nervous system have create the emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's a traumatic event that happens, if we are the victim and someone is perpetrating an action, um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, in that situation, I am in the stance and justifiably so I'm the victim. Okay, so I'm receiving this violent. It is still the case that I'm creating the emotional response to that. Now I'm living with the impact, right? Yes. It's not to say that I'm to blame for the traumatic event, right. but my nervous system has to react in a way that now I'm, I'm stuck with, right? Yeah. That, that I then have to deal with. I can own the impact, but I don't own the behavior. So that creates a bound, it's, it's a way to create a boundary. And so I can take responsibility. So if I'm living with a traumatic reoccurrence or flashbacks or something like that, that's what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be able to change the past, the event of what happened, um, you know, historically. But the idea that my emotions were created by my unconscious, whether I dissociated so I could survive or I have a tremendous anxiety that I don't want to leave the house, it's to say, you know, that emotion is mine. If I stay with, I feel these things because of that person, yes. they did that to me, I'm going to be continually disempowered. Yes. Because I'm not yet owning my my inner experience of what I created in reaction to that um, event. So the, the responsibility, just as a general like belief to adapt and say, yeah, you know, what I makes sense. I can I can say that my emotions are created by me, and I'm and they're always in relationship to the events that are happening outside. I think the the, the second part to that is. I can only relate to my emotions in that way if I'm rooted in myself, if I'm connected to myself, if I have some notion that I am alive and I'm worthy so that I can look. Because I think many people confuse, uh, and they don't mean to, that if I feel badly, that I am bad. Yes. And if I enmesh, if I, if I create a, a blurred line between who I am and what I feel, then certain feelings become very dangerous, yes. right? Yes. So, yes. for example, Sharon, if you do something like, let's say, you know, you forget our meeting and I'm mad at you mm -hmm. and you have a rule that if people are mad at me, that means I'm no good and yes. it means I'm not loved yes. and it means I'm, I'm going to be abandoned, then you never want to go there in terms of listening to my emotion about that. Yes. So then maybe you'll avoid or you'll become irrelevant or change the topic or avoid me yeah. and then we can never connect because i can never give you the feedback to say this is what this is the emotion that created me when you missed our meeting today at uh -huh. two o'clock i felt really sad and i felt angry you know and because and, uh, you didn't meet my expectation that we would be able to connect and i really wanted to connect with you mm -hmm. so without that communication it's like then the intimacy can't happen and yes. i think that's where 
that's where people in the, in the families that I've worked with and, and the individuals that I've worked with, that's such a missing piece because to go there means feeling really difficult um, and painful emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's that's the that's the price of admission for like genuine connection um, is to go there. And um, so that that's like my wish that, you know, as we talk about feelings is, is that um, they're going to be scary for sure. And I don't want to give a, a kind of a message that yeah, just you've talked about your feelings. They won't somehow be this mm-hmm. big and, and you won't mm-hmm. feel shame about it. Right. it. It's still big and scary yes. and there's going to be lots of resistance to it. But hopefully what we're talking about maybe starts to present a map of, yes, that's always the initial step. It's like I have something difficult to say and I don't want to say it, um, but what's the larger goal here? You know, And maybe the larger goal is this is an important relationship and I want to share it mm-hmm. because I want a deeper connection with you. Yes. And yes. If, if, I'm, if I'm looking at that longer term goal, then I have to surpass my impulse of avoidance, projection, denial. Yes of emotions and, and yes. get there. So, yes. um, yeah. That's, uh, I remember uh, Renee Brown saying that the original definition of courage comes from the French word cour, and that, which mm-hmm. means heart, you know, and that mm-hmm. real courage, you know, has to do with expressing what's in your heart. And one time I was working with a man who who had come into therapy, he was a semi-professional boxer. And one day he said to me, you know, Sharon, I thought courage would be getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. No, courage is coming here (laughs) and talking about my feelings. Yeah, beautiful. It's so true. That's so true. Yeah, and and with a lot of men that I've worked with, um, they they initially would say, you know, to feel these vulnerable emotions of sadness and worry and of loneliness, uh, I used to define as weak. Yes. So I didn't go there because I don't want to be weak. Right. And I would say something exactly to the effect of, of, of what you were just expressing, that it's in the expression of those vulnerable emotions that you are expressing great courage and great strength yes um yes and yeah and i think that's that's um counterintuitive yes but i think it's true leaning into that discomfort is not easy yeah Yeah. it does take courage yeah there's something very powerful in being able to say or very empowering to be able to say exactly what you're feeling and to be truthful with that and then to say, you know, I trust that being honest will allow us to go where we need to go in our relationship. Yes. You know, but to deny it and to not say it, mm-hmm. then you'll never know. You'll never know, you right. know, where you are in the relationship. You'll right. never know the capacity of the other person in terms yes. of what they would be willing to do. Yes. Um, and it, and I think it's best to give the relationship a chance and to, to lay everything out. Um, and it does it does take a lot of courage. So it's like courage as a resource is like a meta resource that allows us to feel our feelings. Yes. And I think um, a value of truthfulness is also part of that as well. So mm-hmm. there's these universal human human 
resources and values that make the transformation or the processing of emotions uh, possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the things I really appreciated about uh, Virginia and uh, with the different people that have, have trained me and in our conversations where you could tap into these resources, move through your emotions, but really take care of them in a, in a healthy, responsible way. And then you're, you're moving through life and you're not mm-hmm. getting stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's such an important topic. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the way you can articulate it. One of the things that I not only appreciated what you said about emotion can that's acknowledged can lead to motivation, but you also said something else that was really powerful for me, and that was the way you articulated that if you have been hurt by someone else, you can you cannot change the event but you have the power to change the impact on you and that is such an important piece for people mm-hmm. yeah i really yeah. like that tim yeah i mean in in work with people that have experienced trauma obviously the trauma is embedded in the body you know the traumatic event is pre-verbal so it it, it transcends your ability to just think about things mm-hmm. it's to tap into that and to say how can i connect to my body how can i connect to my whole self and come to a deeper understanding of my my value and my uh, my resources and my my connection to life, so that I can venture out into the world again, connect with people, allow myself to have new experiences, to pursue goals that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, with with the things that I've been experiencing in the just the last few months, I'm more and more accepting the tragedy of life. That mm-hmm. loss and death and trauma are part of life, mm-hmm. and that uh, acknowledging it and grieving it is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and to and and I've been sort of I've been checking my own maybe underlying expectation that you know if I'm living well, if I'm doing living by my values, then uh, you know bad things won't happen mm-hmm. to me. Um, but that's just not the case. And, and I think to be buffered, um, to be prepared mentally and emotionally and spiritually for that, to accept the, the yin and the yang of, of events that are going to yep. happen yep. Is, um, is to be prepared that when the events happen, the primary emotions of what we spoke of will erupt. And the eruptions of those, they could be volcanoes, they could be tsunamis I- internally, Mm-hmm. I'm constantly building uh, my ability to contain all of that, to mm-hmm. reach out for support when that's needed, mm-hmm. uh, to express it honestly, to let people that I love know where I'm at at a moment mm-hmm. of time so they're not confused by my behavior mm-hmm. or my expression if I'm off. Um, and that's it. That's like, that's the best that, that I think I, I could come up with of what to mm-hmm. do at this mm-hmm. point. But I... I appreciate that life is teaching me that um, I need to let go of um, some kind of a, a emotional perf- perfection because the experience is going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, it's then the coping and, and where I take it after that that I have yeah. some choices to make. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Sharon. I really appreciate um, you as a 
as an important container of my experience from especially in, in the last little while uh, in my life so I want to thank you publicly for that the way that you've been supporting me and um, teaching me through your way of being how to relate to my inner experience in a in a loving compassionate patient way you're welcome <laughs> okay so let's say bye to everyone and we'll see you bye. next time Bye.